In this week's show, we're going to be talking about Andretti's new entry for Formula 1 being approved, the final seat on the grid, and of course, looking ahead to the Qatar Grand Prix. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. I'm here this week as host, and I'm Tom, and I'm joined by Chris. Hello. And by Stu, a full force episode. Hello. So, yeah, we've got, got some interesting bits of news to talk about. As I mentioned in the intro, uh, the FIA have now finally sanctioned and approved the Andretti Cadillac entry, so we're going to go into a little bit of that first. And then we've got some more stuff to talk about, uh, the final seat on the grid, what the options are, how that might end up, and and then, of course, looking into uh, Qatar, as I said. But, um, yeah, if you're enjoying this content and you're here on the YouTube side of things, then please be sure to like, share, and subscribe, as always. Leave any interesting thoughts in the comments, and we'll pick them up for inboxes if we get the chance to. And then, of course, if you listen anywhere else, do the same thing, like, share, subscribe, and all that jazz. But, Chris, I'll hand over to you, and we'll, we'll dig into this news. Yeah, Andretti, so... The FIA have approved their entry. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's one <laughs> important step. distinction. Uh, the only one of the teams to apply that has been approved because there are about five or six, depending on what you read, potential entries. But all the rest have basically been told thanks, but no thanks at this point. Hmm. It's only addressed that have been officially approved. Oh, I say the FIA because they now need approval from. Formula One management before they can actually be on the grid in 2026, I believe it would be. Yeah, that's the new regs, isn't it? 2026. Um, FOM released the shortest statement of all time to just say, we note the FIA's conclusions and we will look at them and now do our thing. (laughs) Um, I mean, there's so much to this. I mean, uh, there's been a sort of, political back and forth between the FIA and farm and the teams for a little while now. And this is sort of at the forefront of it. Um, Cause there's the whole entry fee and watering down the prize money factor um, at the mm-hmm. moment by the Concord agreement, the fees $200 million, which would then get divided up among the other teams. Not cheap. Not cheap. Well, it's, it's, it's as cheap as it's going to get them in it. <laughs> Yeah, so still, still not of, cheap. <laughs> no, a lot of the teams are pushing for that to be tripled to six hundred million dollars, which the F, which F one are not dismissing. Um, an interesting thing that Kroon Chandler said was that a unnamed team principal told him that they reckoned if a new team came in, so all of the money was going to split eleven ways rather than ten. It was going to cost every team about eleven million dollars a year. Um, interestingly, if they did put it up to $600 million, that would cover that loss for five years. Seems like a long time for teams mm. to just be getting paid because yeah. another team turned up. Um, yeah, like I think the FIA and Andretti have played this very smartly in the, the way it's all panned out. They've basically presented it as 
over to FOM now. You can either do whatever everyone wants you to do or you can be the bad guys. That's basically yeah. the only choice I've got now. The go. thing is, they're not afraid of being the bad guys. That's, no. that, don't forget True. that. <laughs> like, that. They're quite happy, actually, in most times to be the bad guys because they seem to be completely out of touch with their fan base. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, look at, you know, who asked, who actually likes sprint racers? Anyone? Hands up. Well... It sees the point Mm. of them. Like, do they? they, But 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 apparently, everyone loves them, according to everyone. The top brass at Formula One. So I mean, all three hundred and twelve countries in the world love them. Apparently, (laughs) well, yeah, exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's not not go go any further with that one. Um, Yeah, so I've got some opinions. I think on this, I think like the teams uh, obviously don't. First of all, don't want to lose money. So that that's there's a there is a logic from the team's perspective as as to you know their reasoning as to why they wouldn't want this, but I do think that is cutting your nose off to spite your face in a way because anything that makes the the series Absolutely. Formula One more interesting and adds a adds an extra sort of extra brand to the grid or extra team to the grid, I think is an improvement as long as that team is is capable of competing, which. It looks to, I mean, you'd have to say Andretti, Cadillac. Yeah. Probably among the more capable prospects of teams that could could come in and, and do something, you know? Yeah, never mind um, the fact they're two big American brands. Like if this was, you know, like high tech or one of the other entries, like you could maybe see the argument that all that's doing is watering things down, but you'd be mad to not think that, Andretti and Cadillac, Cadillac and F1 is only going to bring fans in. Like, that's only yeah, going to yeah, be exactly. positive It'll be, for bring it. fans. And, like, you know, for too long, there haven't, there just aren't enough cars on the grid. Like, yeah. No. But the last time we had sort of even a reasonable amount of cars on the grid, I think there were 26. I think that was like back in, way back in like 2011, 2012 ish. Even older than that, I think now. Maybe I want to say like Marushka. Yeah, Russia was maybe the last one that survived, and I think they did 2012, maybe. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I really want to see, you know, when you look at, so, I mean, maybe not a fair comparison, but when you look at series like World Endurance Championship, which obviously have loads and loads of cars competing on the same circuit at the same time, race starts in those series with lots of cars on the grid are just absolutely epic, and, you know, it's, it's a lot to look at and it's it's a real, real spectacle. Yeah. And I think F1 really lacks that off, off of a starting. Even when you compare it to Formula 2, when yeah. you see Formula 2, start of a Formula 2 race is absolutely awesome. The sound they make, the everything about it is, is exciting because of the quantity of cars that are pulling away at the same time. There's just so much to look at, so much going on. It's madness. And it's F3 great. F3 this year is even crazier as well. F3 this year is like a... It's like a twenty-yard pushing thirty-car grid. I think, I think, yeah, it's, I think it's a thirty-car grid. I think it is up to thirty. Yeah, and it's yeah, it looks so good seeing that many cars. Yeah, and Formula One's lacked that for many, many, many years now. And I think anything mm. they can do to 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 move towards that, to have more cars on the grid, even if it even if it is only twenty-six, then I even if it's only twenty-two, I think it's it's an improvement. So yeah. For for the for form to, I mean, let's face it. It looks as though they're going to try and block it, or they're they're going to try and you know they've got their own they've got their own ideas, haven't they? I mean, that's been the sound, that's been the noise coming from from yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Um. Again, I think it's cutting your nose off to spite your face. I think there's a lot 
a team like this can bring. And I think some of the teams as well, as as Christian Horner put to uh, Daniel Ricciardo, they're running from a fight. They're scared of what this team can bring to the table. They're scared of losing those positions in in the World Championship and, and losing their prize money as well as their mm. kickback from FOM. So, yeah. And, you know, if this was a few years ago pre-budget cap, again, you could maybe see the argument that it's less money every team can then spend on development. But we're in a budget cap era now. Yeah, yeah. I don't have the exact figures in front of me, but most teams spend up to the budget cap. At least half the grid are spending up to the budget cap. You can understand why a team like, not even Williams so much these days, but like the Hasses of this world, you can understand their pushback maybe because they're not hitting the budget cap anyway. But like for teams like Mercedes and Red Bull and even like, yeah, like for them to be complaining about this financially, like, they they all are profitable as Formula One teams. Like they mm. they make more money than they spend already. And I Alpine, don't think Alpine made twenty three million yeah. dollars this year. They made that. They, they Formula One teams are profitable things these days. Yeah. Remember, yeah. Not not that long ago, Formula One teams were in a humongous, yeah, eye watering losses. And now that you know, it is possible to have a profitable Formula One key. Aston Martin, example, that aren't like this week. I think it was revealed that they fifty something million loss. But then they're but, building factories and wind tunnels, every bit of sorts. land that can find. Yeah, yeah, just buying up Silverstone. It's it all, it all comes back to a conversation we've had lots of times, which is teams have too much influence on things. Yeah, like yeah. the only reason from a potentially going to push back on this is because all the teams have said they don't want it. Like the teams dictating the way the sport is run and who they compete against and how much influence they have. And it's just... Shouldn't be entirely our choice though, should it? Yeah, not even a little bit. Yeah, it's crazy. It really is. Um, I very much hope that they see sense because I think... I mean, they've done all the right things. They've said all the right Mm. things. Um... I read today um, from AMS, the uh, the German publication, who are normally like pretty on top of things. Um, they've said that Cadillac have already been putting in the planning and budgeting to properly make their own F1 engine division, and they've been making hires of like no names within F1 or like who works in F1 in the past. Uh, supposedly, they're going to be cutting their WEC team back to a single car in the coming years to free up personnel and budget for this F1 engine projects. Like, they're, they're serious about it. Yeah, they're, um, well, they're serious racers, aren't they? That's yeah, the thing. completely. Like, they're, they're, you know, to, to be running a WEC team, and those those uh, Cadillac WEC cars are serious business as well. They're yeah. not, you know, they're not yeah. messing around. Like, they're there to compete. Yeah. Um, any, any experience that they can get their staff members or their personnel inside that series is always going to be beneficial for them by the time they get to Formula One, if they're allowed into Formula One. And mm-hmm. it should be seen as evidence that they are capable of running a Formula One team. I think if you can run a WEC team, yes, a WEC team is a lot cheaper, but if, you've, if your budget adds up and you're running with relative success in as a, as a fairly, you know, in a, in a fairly newish series, given the new sort of regulations at WEC, if you can run with some success there, then you can probably, 
you know, look at competing with the big boys. There's some serious, serious business and, and, and serious teams in WEC. And if you can compete with them, if you can co- compete with Toyotas and Ferraris of the world, then you should be in Formula One. Exactly, yeah. yeah exactly. And never mind the fact that Andretti have, you know, got a massive history in so many series. Like, they've, they've yeah. just won a Formula E World Championship. Like, yeah. these, are, these are serious organisations. Like, they're oh, not well, just think- there to have a go. They're there to, to do well. And I think we've just explained it. I think that's what it is. I think yeah. they're scared. They're, they're all scared to death that these guys are going to come in and, and be successful and going to potentially take opportunities for success away from them. And it's just, again, like we've, we're repeating ourselves a little bit now, but it's, it, the, it comes from the teams having way, way, way too much influence over the regulation and the, the running of the sport in general. And it's, yeah. Yeah. It, also, it points to the widening divide between the FIA and and Formula Management, I think it really well. does. Mm. Um, it seems like every big piece of news in relation to, you know, the running of the sport, the regulations, the the sporting aspects of, of Formula One, just they seem to be driving wedges <laughs> further and further and further between themselves. These two bodies, and it's it's no way of running a sport. You know, it's it's the equivalent of all the referees in football going, "Oh, we don't like the Premier League anymore." <laughs> Yeah, like we're, we're angry with the Premier League. We're going to do things our own way. You know, it's strange. I mean, the FAI basically had to gag their own president because he just kept running his mouth about everything yeah. F1 yeah, was doing. Yeah. I mean, which that's a whole that's a whole I, that, other thing, isn't I it? I don't blame them for, but as an example of just how like fractured that relationship is. Yeah, I, I we can only hope that they see sense and that the right thing is done because. Everybody except the current team bosses want this. Like, there's no sensible arguments against it. So, mm. yeah, we can hope, I suppose. Um, there's no hope. idea of a timeline on how long this decision is going to take. I'm sure they will probably drag their feet a bunch, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. As always, we will see. Yeah. <laughs> Um, little last bit of news for me on to other things is that um, Alpha Terry have confirmed that Liam Lawson is going to be in the car again this weekend. Um, Ricardo has done some sim work, but um, they basically said he's not a hundred percent there. And obviously, with this being a sprint weekend, it's not like you could chuck Ricardo in the car for FP1 and then if it doesn't go well, swap mm. back because there's no more practice after that. So, yeah. Yeah, one more week for Liam Lawson. Speaking of Liam Lawson, that moves us quite nicely onto the last seat on the grid for next year. Like normally sort of mid-season, we do like a predicting the grid for next year kind of episode. And that's just been pointless this year because (laughs) everyone's just quite early on in the season. Everyone's been reconfirmed. Currently, we've got 19 of the 20 drivers are staying exactly where they are for next season, which has been a long time since we've had that much stability in the driver market. I guess it's because a lot of contracts end in 2024. So I think next yeah. season, silly season is going to be book wild. Yeah, it's going to be hectic. I, I'm excited for it. I can't wait. I'm already, I'm already excited for it. Just, you know, if, if Mercedes don't have, like, I mean, shall we get into that? If Mercedes don't have a good season next year, then... You know, there could be ripples throughout the uh, throughout the drive. Oh, I think there. like two thirds of the grid are going to end up moving next season. Yeah, yeah. big big proportion, I think, moving around. Uh, but yeah, so Williams are the only team with a seat 
unconfirmed. That is Logan Sargent's seat. They've they keep saying how much they want him in the car next year. Um, James Vowles has said they've given him clear targets he needs to hit to be in the seat. So it's kind of like the team keeps saying they're on his side. They've admitted lots of times that they probably moved him up a bit sooner than they ideally would have liked to. Like he, he stepped up with very little testing time. That being said, it hasn't been a great year for him. Um, he doesn't seem to have been getting much closer to Albon as the season's gone on. And I can only assume when, in terms of these targets, being closer to Albon is probably mm. chief among them, I would expect. Stop crashing um, is probably chief among them. but Stop crashing would also <laughs> help a lot as well. Um, but yes, obviously Logan Sargent is option one. Um, he came very close to winning the F3 title. Uh, he did two seasons in... Sorry, he did two seasons in F3, then a season in F2 where he finished fourth. Um, interestingly, behind Drogovic, Porcher and Lawson, they're the three that beat him in uh, F2. And he's the only one of those four that made it to F1 so far. And yes, yeah, so, so far this season, best finish of 11th. He's got no points to his name. Um, there are a lot of other names knocking around, sort of swirling around this seat. Um, yeah. I would say like a lot of these names of, of 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 the of the names we're about to go through, Logan Sargent, I would rank probably the lowest in, in Really? Yeah, I think so. I'm gonna finish this by asking who you would put in the seat. So okay. okay, interesting. This is good. So this is for Williams. This is for the Williams seat next <laughs> yes. year. Yeah. So obviously top of a lot of people's list right now, for good reason, is Liam Lawson. Um obviously he's been in F one for four races it will be five um he's already scored a couple of points he's got a best finish of ninth he's actually not finished lower than 13th as well in what is widely regarded as one of the worst cars on the grid um he's also currently second place in super formula he's got three wins and a couple of races to go um f2 he had uh, a third place with four wins um i mean he's 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 the man of the moment um He's got the goods. Like he, he's he's shown himself. You know, he's parachuted into that seat, and he, his results have been great. He's been competitive with his teammate. He's done everything that you'd expect a teammate to do to mm. to the incumbent if you wanted them to, you know, be be. He's doing everything that Logan Sargent should be doing. <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah, pretty I mean, much. Out of the two of them, who's more deserving of an F one seat at the minute? And the answer's quite easy. I mean, isn't yeah, it? it's no brainer, isn't it? Mm. Um, the difficulty with Lawson is he's a Red Bull driver. Yeah. Um, I think there's an extremely good chance they're going to put him on the grid in 2025. So the problem is, do Williams want to bring in a driver they know they're only going to have for one year? No. It's not a realistic prospect for, for Liam Lawson to go to Williams. All of this hoo-ha, is he going to go to Williams and stuff? I just don't see it. I think it's people are wasting their people are wasting internet talking about Lawson going to Williams because it's just not happening. No, they'd get a better driver for a season and then he'd be gone again. Yeah. yeah. And 
in and a team that's kind of building back in the position they're in, like some stability sounds good. Yeah, it just doesn't match up with the yeah, exactly that. It doesn't match up with the with the with the trajectory that Williams are on. Williams are, no. are, are rapidly improving. They're they're you know they're they're building up their infrastructure. They're building up their their systems in their team to to get them into a better place. The improvements are already there to see. I think I think they've had a pretty good season. Alvin's having a great time over the course of you know the season at large i think he's had a really good performance in that car especially um and yeah i think stability is good but i i, I do think you still i do think they need to replace logan sargent i don't think logan sargent should be staying in that team but i certainly don't think liam lawson is the right fit for they need to replace him with someone that's going to stay there for a number of years right yeah, yeah i think exactly. so Next, Felipe Drogovic. He was last year's Formula 2 champion and the current Aston Martin reserve driver. Uh, he did the he did pre-season testing this year because Lance Stroll broke his hand. Um, he's done a bunch of F1 tests. He's going to do at least one FP1 session this year, probably a couple. Um, interestingly, his name has been swirling around Formula E for months now. In fact, I remember when we were at Formula E in London a few months ago, even then there was like lots of rumors about him getting a seat for next year. Yeah. And several months have gone by and the Formula E grid is filling up rapidly and his name's still not been on there. And I kind of feel like he's putting all of his eggs in the F1 basket and feels like Formula mm. E would be like a step away from that dream. I kind of feel like the Marriott Goran's going to stop and he's just going to be left with Nothing. no seat again. You've yeah. just said all that. And now, like, literally, as we record this, there's <laughs> some, some, you know, some, uh, some journalist is writing an article about how he's got a seat in Formula E. Probably, now. It's, yeah. It's now yeah. happened and it's, he's signed up for a year. Yeah, yeah the moment we it. stop that news is getting announced. So, yeah. yeah. At least um, you found him a seat. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't think Drogovic is right either for this one. I, 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 for me, Drogovic is a Formula E driver. I don't think he's a Formula One driver. I just don't think he's mm. up there with you know with your with your Liam Lawsons, with your uh, Yuki Sonodas. You know, he's never going to go beyond that Yuki Sonoda level of of talent. I don't think. I would say Yuki Sonoda is probably a better driver than Felipe Drogovic. Um, Drogovic has been kind of a bit of a journeyman last few years in in F two. Mm. And I think if he, he was, if he was going to set the world on fire, it would have happened already. I think the problem is we've, he's not really done much in F1. Um, he did, he's in one FP1 session, I believe. Yeah, uh, maybe two. Maybe a couple. Um, but I think even then, when you look at when you look at the George, your George Russell's the world, your, your Alex Albans, your Lando Norris's, all of those guys did, fairly you know they didn't do a huge amount of f1 running before they were in f1 and they came to f1 and they were yeah they were really good they came from a really good position in f2 <clears throat> did really really well in f2 and, and f3 battled each other all the way through probably you know the standards that they were driving to they probably pulled each other up a level i think a lot of them and when they got to f1 they're they've they've been competitive since they got to f1 i mean some of them have even well two of them now are in top seats yeah and drugovic for me just is not that he, he was very much a surprise, his F2 championship, wasn't it? Like, he kind of, when you look at all the names that have been in F2 the last few years, he kind of came out of nowhere to 
yeah. win that championship. I do want to see him doing more F1 stuff to see what he has actually got, but right now it it feels like it would just be a sideways step from Sargent, doesn't it? At yeah, best. I, it's, Drugovic, for me, Drugovic's championship mm. in F2 was kind of like he was the best in a season of not amazing I mean, or, or, yeah. or the, the, the ones that you had potential to be amazing were like, it was their first season, so they yeah. probably weren't going to do an amazing So, job. like, I mean, you compared him to the likes of, say, Norris and people that didn't have much running in F1 before getting an F1 seat. The huge difference is, like, Norris, just as a specific example, joined F3 for, like, a few runs at the end of the season, then did a whole season and won the thing. He joined yeah. F2 after that, did a few run-ins at the end of the season, then did a full season and came second to, was it Russell to that Russell. year? Russell. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It was the year, for, him and, and Albon, yeah. Like, and that was a ridiculously heated battle. And they all deserve that next step up. And then Drugovic has got like a, I don't know, something like a seventh and an eighth place finished in two championships. And then as those above him have kind of moved on, he's sort of, just almost inherited that higher step, and yeah, it, again, exactly. it's not it's not saying Drugovic is a bad driver. It's just uh, he's not of the caliber of people who have won that championship before him. And yeah. oh yeah, of course, we've we've talked uh, about yeah, it plenty um, of times. Though it, it's you go through these cycles in Formula Two specifically, where you have a field of maybe three, possibly four, super talented guys who one will win it, you know, move on, and then the other two fight between themselves for the next season and then probably move on. And then you sort of get to year three, maybe year four and not nobody else has started to stand out yet. That like next class hasn't come through and you end up with a title winner. That's a bit okay. Average. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nicholas Latifi, for example. I mean, DeFreeze, yeah. DeFreeze is another yeah. example. You had, you had the likes of Norris, Russell and uh, Albon coming through they all suddenly disappeared and all got seats. And DeFreeze was kind of just left to go away and win the next year's title. And although he had that that glimmer in Formula One when he was the reserve driver, we've seen that like weekend after weekend, he couldn't put it together. Unlike a Lawson of this world who, mm. I'm not saying he's setting like, the world alight or anything, but he's been... Pretty damn consistent, Cons- and he's, he's doing consistent. more with that car than I'd expect someone that's been airdropped into it to be doing. Yeah, the the DeVries Lawson mm. comparison is quite interesting because obviously they've they and we should maybe maybe take us through DeVries now, Chris, and then yeah, because kind of to yeah. Tom's point, so DeVries obviously he did win the F two championship, but it was at his third attempt. You know, you, there's a lot of other names on this list that came in and won it straight away. Mm-hmm. DeVries took three tries to do it. Um, as you mentioned, he was FE champion in 2020 and 2021. But again, that was a very weird season that didn't really reward consistency for yeah. strange Formula E reasons we won't get into. Yeah. Um, he's done FP1 appearances for what feels like half the grid at this point. <laughs> And then obviously, as you alluded to, he had that race where he stood in for Albon at Monza and scored points in his debut. And off the back of that one result, got himself an AlphaTauri seat, which he yeah. kept for 10 races before he was uh, dropped. Um, so my my point here with the comparison with Liam Lawson is AlphaTauri have had some time to develop that car now. And it's probably a much better car now than it was when 
Nick DeVries was driving it. It was it was clearly a pig of a car to drive when mm-hmm. Nick DeVries was driving it. And yeah. it looks like less of a pig of a car to drive now, to be fair. And I don't know whether that's like because it's because of who's driving it or whether it's because the development has happened and made it into a more manageable car. But um, I did feel bad for DeVries getting I don't think DeVries should have been dropped. I think they should have given him at least a season. I think it's the political machinations inside of Red Bull that have yeah. meant that DeVries has, has lost his seat. I don't think it's got anything to do with his driving. Um, I think it, more than anything, I think the car was was no good. I think you put anyone in that car, they're probably going to have a lot of accidents, uh, especially as a rookie. So, yeah, it's unlucky for DeVries. I don't think DeVries is getting... Maybe DeVries does get the Williams seat. I think of the of the few we've got. I mean, for me, like of the ones we've been through so far for Williams, I would say DeVries is probably the the best prospect on these because he's he's driven for Williams already. He's a known mm. quantity. He did a good job when he when he did drive for them. Um, he'd be going into a team that probably respects him a lot more than what Red Bull did. Um, so. Yeah, I think I prefer right now of, of the people we've gone through so far. I think I prefer DeVries to Sergeant. The only problem is you'd have to um yeah, get him out of a Formula E contract because <laughs> he has signed to go back to Formula E, which I'm interested to see how that goes for him. Cuz like his his stock is lower at the moment it has been in a while so i mean i'm interested to see how devries returns to formula e goes yeah i mean formula e world champion returns to formula e should be should be fair amount of fanfare around that right should be mm. <laughs> we'll see um last couple of names to mention um Taupo chair is an interesting one so he's he's in his fourth formula two season now um, which kind of implies another one of these journeyman type mm. careers, but Damn. I don't think I'd put him in that category because he did join when he was pretty young. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, very young. he's also technically only his third season. his fourth year driving in Formula Two, but it's only his third True. full season. There's a slight difference there because he he had the yeah he had the end of the season after he'd finished in Formula Three. He did uh, the Bahrain. Um, yes, they had the Bahrain double weekend, which is like a bit was a bit unique that year because it was COVID year, wasn't it? It was a bit different. Um, yeah. So he was only involved in that for his first year. But then the thing, the thing that I think is different is like when you compare this to Drugovich. Drugovich is consistently like I think it was fifth or sixth, like persistently in those first couple of seasons. And then when the other drivers that were finishing above him have gone, you instantly see the trajectory up. I think the difference yeah. with Theo Porcher is that you've got um, a driver that's had a decent first season, finished like fifth or whatever he finished in that first year. Then yeah, you've fifth. got um, then you've got a solid year with yet more wins where he comes second. And then this year you've got another solid season filled with podiums that he's won. So, because I think, has he, has, he te- has he wrapped it up? I can't remember if he's wrapped it up or not now. He's not wrapped up yet, but he's pretty oh. close to, I think. He's practically won then. Um, he's yeah. leading at least um, with one weekend to go. So I think he's... there's a slight difference that you can see there between journeyman that, whose competition moves on and 
potential talent that has worked his way up the ladder kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. And I think he is a definitely a talented guy. He's in a weird position because he's a sober young driver. Mm. Um, so he is Alfa Romeo's reserve this year. He's going to continue to be their reserve next year when they... At the moment, it looks like that team's just going to revert to being sober. There might be like a new title sponsor that comes on for a couple of years. But obviously, we've got Audi kind of looming on the horizon that are taking over that team in 2026, 5? Oh, no, sorry, yeah. <laughs> sorry, apologies. They officially take over in 2025, don't they? Yeah, um, new regs 26, yeah. take over 25. So they've got a year with these regulations. Yeah. So... He's in a weird position where, like, yes, he's reserved, but there's going to be a whole new, like, monolith of a company in charge mm. soon, and there's no guarantee they're going to want him. So I think his best hope is that um, Joe gets dropped um, for 2025 oh. and they just promote him up because mm. he's the best option, but... I, it's, I kind of feel like if he's going to make to F1, he needs to get away from that sober seat. Um, is Williams a good place for him? Again, it's it's. do you replace a young driver that's fresh out of F2 with another young driver that's fresh out of F2? Um, mm, I mean, I do like, I like Teo Pocher. I think he's, I think he's a very good driver. Um, I probably wouldn't put him on the Russell Norris album level. I think he's no. maybe a small step below those guys. But um, I don't hate him for Williams. But yeah, I think the thing that goes against him is the it's the inexperience in Formula One. That, yeah. That puts me off. I think that team, again, I've made the point, I've made the point again, like that team really needs as much experience as it can to to improve as a team together and long term. And um, for me, Teo Pocher just isn't bringing that to Williams just yet. I do. I would love to. I'd love to see him get a Formula One seat, but I just don't think it's with Williams. And that is the weird thing looking at these options. Like, there's not really a experienced head to bring back in the same way that no. like Haas brought back Magnussen and Hulkenberg. There's not really a driver like that out there. Like, or is there? Mm-hmm. Sebastian Vettel's not going to win. Not Sebastian Vettel. Well, what about Mick Schumacher? He's the most experienced driver on the list. Um, so obviously he was F3 and F2 champion, 2018 yeah. and 2020. Um, spent two seasons with Haas. He got two points finishes, um, but he was dropped at the end of uh, 2022. Yes. Yeah. Um, I like I mean, Mick he, Schumacher for Williams. I really do. So when he was F2 champion, he beat, among several other drivers, he beat Sonoda, Joe, and Drogovic. Mm. Yeah. I do think he... I think he deserved more time in F1 than he was given at Haas. So I think, like, part of part of the problem, again, it's that, it's that sort of rookie-ish driver in terrible car is a really, really bad combination because... Mm-hmm those cars are much, much more difficult to drive than your Red Bulls, your Ferraris, your Mercedes, your McLarens. Mm. And if 
the the Williams looks like an okay car to drive for a rookie. Like it looks like that sweet spot where you're not in the most amazing car on the grid. You're not probably not going to be winning races, so there's not going to be that pressure on you to to win races. There's just the pressure on you to be close to your teammate. And I think that car is it, it probably handles okay. So Mick Schumacher would probably have a decent time in there. I think it'd be a good. I think as well, Albon is a good yardstick to measure schumacher again so we'd get an idea of actually mm-hmm. what where yeah. if if the if the talent is there he's had his couple of years in f1 getting used to the new formula which we've always said you know he he does need like a i think a little bit more time than your average driver to really accustom to get accustomed to a new car or a new a new formula um and he's had that time now you know he's had that his time in formula one so he's going to come but if he does come back he's going to know his way around a formula one car and a formula one team and it could be that you put him in a slightly better easier to to drive car than what the Haas was that he could be you know he could prove everyone wrong and be this amazing driver that's really competitive against his teammate i mean if 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 the internet is to be believed um because obviously he's a his reserve at Mercedes now, and Toto Wolff apparently has been sort of trying to sell James Vowles on the idea of Mick Schumacher. Mm. I think the best thing that he could do if he's really serious about that is, I mean, he, he doesn't count as a young driver now, but like stick him in an FP1 session, like yeah. send him out in a good car, and like here's your chance, go and prove that you've actually got got some pace. Yeah, I think that that sends the wrong message to Sergeant though, doesn't it? That's you know, you you sit him in. Either no, I mean Mercedes. Yeah, Total oh, is serious about finding him a seat. Yeah, let, let give him a one in a Mercedes. Bit of yeah. an advert. I don't know if that Mercedes is easy enough to drive. <laughs> I don't think I trust him in a Mercedes. But um, it's not very. It doesn't seem like you know. If they say it's the diva that it sounds like it is, then maybe you don't put. Yeah, that might be hard. <laughs> but it could. It's either going to make his career or break his career very quickly. Yeah. Um, but I think. Yeah, I think in terms of longevity as well for Williams, like he could be, you could have him around for a couple of years, give him a chance, and he's got the experience to improve at this point. I think after a couple of years under his belt, he does have the experience to sort of help the team move forward. Um, and he's got the best people around him. I think like Toto Wolf, you know, James Vowles again, if James Vowles is they've got all the experience of having a new driver in their team and helping them get up to speed. Whereas I think yeah. His time at Haas, maybe maybe that team wasn't really equipped to use a new driver the way a team like, say, Mercedes or McLaren are. So he was I think he was destined to fail, to be honest, at Haas. I don't think he was ever going to do really, really well there in that car. But I think if you put him in Williams, I think he'd have more of a chance. I think he'd do a bit better. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um. Is there anyone we've not mentioned that you think could be considered for it? Not realistically, I don't think. Hmm. Former Mercedes driver. Not Mercedes, sorry. Former McLaren driver, um, Stoffel van Dorn. Stoff? Yeah. Stoff's got a seat in Formula E again, though. Oh, so, and he's also... Well, he's, he's, uh, he's one. He should, I think he should any, have anyway. any FE driver, if a F1 seat came knocking, they I would. mean, yeah, more than likely. Bite your hand off for it. But yeah. Yeah, he's technically contracted to Penske. 
He's got um he, he does yeah. have a reserve role at um Aston Martin, doesn't he, Andor? Yes, he does. So he's you know, he's got sim time, he's got he's got and we know he's got the goods. He's been a, a decent Formula One driver. Yeah. I don't think he did great in Formula E, did he? Like he, he did okay for Mercedes or did he get did he win? No, he got a title he got a title the year title, after year after the Vries, yeah. Oh well, that was it, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was for Mercedes as well, wasn't it? Yeah. He was Mercedes yeah. last year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he, he deserves a go. I think he des- deserves another shot. But then, like, I've always, I've said in the past that I don't like it when people come back to Formula 1. Like, I am not wasn't a huge fan. As much as I love Alonso, I wasn't a huge fan of Alonso coming back. As much as I would love <laughs> Verstapp- uh, Vettel to come back, like, really, like, a big part of me is like, wait, you've you've had your time. You've retired. Yeah. Let someone else have a go, you know? There's only 20 seats. Like, you have to give... If only there were two chance. more seats, though. Yeah. So, so with all that in mind, actually, maybe maybe Schumacher's not the right driver for the team. Maybe they do. Maybe I would like to. You know, on the on the one hand, you want the team to improve and do better, and on the other hand, you kind of want you do want to see new faces in Formula One because yeah. you don't you know the turnover is not that high at the moment. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a conundrum. But I think for the good of Williams, I for me, Schumacher's the best option. I think you're putting Schumacher. the most realistic, the most realistic option. How about you, Tom? I think I'd give push air a go if if possible. If they could if they could work out a way to get him from Sauber. I think that his ever improving track record and his junior record gives him a bit more of a plausibility than they ever had with Sargent. Um so I think it's if you're gonna go for a rookie or well, a rookie to F one at least, that's who I'd pick, I think. I think yeah, I think I would either take a punt on Porsche or I think Drogovic as well. I think I'd like to see what Drogovic could do. I think... Pick one. You have to pick one. <laughs> I'll say Drogovic to be different then. There yeah. you go. We've got, we've got there we go. We've all there. picked a different driver. So it'll be none of those um, three. We should make a note. We should make a note of this to see, um, see who actually does get the seat. It's probably, they'll probably stick with Sargent, I think. I think they will stick with Sargent. I also suspect we won't find out until post-season. Yeah, there's no. Yeah, it's be. not like anyone's going to poach him. It's not like they need to poach a driver from another team because they're all locked in, so they can take as much time as they want there. Yeah. So I suspect they will. Yeah. No rush. Shall we move on? Yes, let's, let's. do some storylines. Um, so this weekend sees the opportunity for a Saturday champion. Uh, Max basically only needs six points to completely seal the title during the sprint race. Uh, so... It's entirely doable, isn't it, realistically? Like, I'm here for it. It's not just I'm doable, I think it's inevitable. <laughs> I think it's going to happen. I think we, we were kind of like, after Singapore, we were kind of like, oh, it's not going to happen now. But after yeah. after the last yeah. race and the fact that, um, obviously, Perez had an absolute shocker. I didn't I didn't actually watch your, your epi- the episode just gone, but from the looks of the YouTube comments, it looks like you got a bit of a, you gave Perez a bit of a pasting. Um, I mean, which most of the episode was talking about <laughs> for better or worse. Um, but anyway, he, um, yeah, I've, I've got a few opinions about that whole thing, but you've already done it, so I won't go too far yeah. into it. But um, that'll I be think more time, I'm sure. I'm excited for this to happen. I think it's it's not what form it's not what form want. Like, no, it's a disaster for form, really. Like they don't want people winning world championships at sprint races. Um, that was absolutely not the desire of when they set this up. But it was also um, always a possibility. Yeah, yeah exactly. the fact that it's going to blow up in their face, I find absolutely hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I it's, mean, 
mathematically, he could do with Perez finishing, what is it, fifth or lower? Uh, no, sorry, seventh or lower. They've changed the points this year, haven't they? So, I actually Ma- have no idea what the sprint race points are. He, need, he needs a six-point gap, which means that if he's first, he needs Perez to be seventh or eighth, which is, or, well, seventh or lower, which is like two points or less. I think um, basically Perez has to win the sprint race to keep it alive. And then even if he does that, he then has to win the Grand Prix as well to keep it alive. Yeah, so. it, re- it really depends on just where Perez finishes more. Yeah. Well, as to whether it's decided on a Saturday, I think. So it needs, to win if... by, it needs to beat his teammate by six points, is what you're saying. Yeah. I believe that's mathematically what it is. So. Yeah, so... I think it's slightly more complicated than that. The, the, he needs six points, and that's only if Perez wins. Like, I don't know. He's it, he's going to win it. It's it's Yeah. We 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 we're getting into the weeds on an inevitability at this point. Yeah, and it would be yeah, hilarious if he got like he's got almost that. his entire hand on the title. Imagine you've got like his entire hand on the title. It's right there, and then his engine starts failing, and the gap just starts like creeping down, and not enough to make it like he's ever going to lose the title. It just like keeps getting delayed by another race and another race. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, other storylines. How will tires hold up? So the last time we were here was twenty twenty one. Um, and we had three failures during the race because of the degradation, uh, and temperatures were expected to be pretty high over the weekend, like easily 30 degrees plus. So, yeah, considering that that's temperatures during a night race, that's a lot of stress <laughs> for uh, tyres to be put through. Um, do we know what compounds have been taken? I'm assuming we're taking the hardest compounds possible, the hardest combination, but... That would be my assumption, but I'm not certain um well i know pirelli who knows yeah they might have just gone a bit silly with it um yeah because last season not last season season before most people did two stops and i think i think the most of the failures were people who tried to one stop it so i would expect two stoppers again which i'm all for i prefer much prefer two stop races to one stop yeah yeah i think last time they did i think they brought the hardest set of compounds last time and it was still the deg was so high that yeah tire failures so even even with the tires now even if they have brought the the uh the toughest tires i think they'll still they'll still be two stopping so yeah that'd be good to see i do i'm with you chris i do like a two stopper i prefer a two stopper definitely and then the last one is uh can Ferrari continue to close their gap to Mercedes? Um, and can McLaren as well do the same thing to Aston Martin? Yeah, I think McLaren will. I think McLaren have, have proven now to be right up there um, in the mix with the with the very top teams behind Red Bull. Um, I think Mercedes... So Mercedes are, are worried about... Um, Ferrari having having sort of solved some of their tire wear issues and sort of be using their tires a little bit more having a bit more longevity than Mercedes have at the moment and this will the proof will be in the pudding at this race I think we'll we'll yeah. be able to see mm. for sure which which car is doing yeah. better on its tires because it is a high deg circuit so yeah um it, it'll exaggerate those those qualities in both of those cars so and the gap will be exaggerated there as a result so I think if the Mercedes is is slower than the Ferrari, then yeah, you you know they can say with unequivocally that the Ferrari is better on its tires now, which is a yeah. good thing for Ferrari because you know all season and most of last season it was an absolute tire muncher. So um, 
yeah, that that's one thing. I think will they may continue to close the gap here, but let's not forget Mercedes have a pretty big upgrade, I think, coming for um for Austin. So if they are going to close the gap, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a trend that continues for the remainder mm. of the season with Mercedes kind of late with their final update. So in comparison to all the other teams. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that sort of that battle ebbs and flows for the remainder of the season. Um, quick tire update for you. Um, it is the, it's the C1, C2, C3 they're bringing. Okay. It's the hardest. But that still makes them softer than 2021 because everything in the range has got yeah. a step softer because they yeah, have got true. the C0 as like an emergency tire as well, which they've never used. Um, so yeah, yeah, it is going to be slightly softer than before. So interesting, guaranteed two stoppers, I would imagine. Yeah, I think you'd be hard pushed to get anyone doing a one stop on that. And I think no just going back, going back to the current storyline, I think the the thing we looked at last week, where when you look at the the points pre Silverstone versus the points post Silverstone, um, the swing for McLaren in that area, and also the negative swing for against Aston Martin is ridiculous. Like I think that. It's inevitable that McLaren overtake Aston Martin at this point, to be brutally honest with you. I don't think it's a case of if, it's a case of when. So That's reminding me, actually. Um, a, a YouTube recommend, once you've finished watching our YouTube video, obviously. Um, Tomo F1 recently did a video about Aston Martin's kind of driver situation and how Stroll has just not been scoring the points. And he basically worked out what their season would look like if they had two Fernando Alonso's. So they took every one of Alonso's results and put Alonso to a place behind or ahead of him and then did the same for Stroll. If they had two Lance Strolls, they would be (laughs) behind Alpine. If they had two Alonso's, they'd still be second. Man. There you go. Yeah, you want, you, as an example of the you. golf, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. But it's, it's an interesting watch. I recommend going and have a look. Yeah, nice one. Uh, right, and with those storylines answered, uh, it's time to make some predictions. So if you want to get involved with this, just head to the website at backofthegrid.com where you can find out more. In the meantime, we're going to make our predictions uh, ahead of this weekend's Grand Prix, and uh, I would advise probably not copying this because we don't always do that well. <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> um, right, so fastest in Q3. Um, Chris, you can go first on this one. It's a circuit of almost entirely medium and high-speed corners. <laughs> you can't say anything other than a red ball, which means it has to be Verstappen. Okay. Yeah. Verstappen. Stuart. Yeah, and is anyone doing anything other than a double Verstappen? That's the big question. Nah, Verstappen, Verstappen, Verstappen for me. Verstappen, I think Verstappen, it's Verstappen. thing to do. What about first DNF? That's where it first gets interesting. Stu? Verstappen... Verstappen first <laughs> DNF, okay. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> are, you, are you actually genuinely doing that? The, this is the point nah, of nah, the point of no point of no. Okay, I mean we have got the uh, the classic AWS parody account, so that looks like something <laughs> that they do. No, I'm, I shouldn't go Verstappen. I should. I'm gonna say. <laughs> Uh, who's been crashing a lot lately? Uh, I'm going to go for an Alpine retirement. Um, yeah, it'll be Gasly. Gas, it is. Um, I 
I don't really thought about it until this exact precise moment. So I'm just going to pluck a name out of the air and say, Nico Ulkenberg. What are you, Chris? I'm going to say Bottas. He's on a pretty rough run of um, yeah. retirements and incidents. Number of finishers. 18. Oof, that, I feel like that's bold. Nah, it's, it's loads of runoff. You do, you have to, you do well there to is, crash at this circuit. There is a lot of runoff, but I'm just thinking about people oh, trying to chance the tyres and the temperatures and stuff. Mm, that's true. That's kind of where I was going with it, but maybe I'm way off. 18. I don't know. I'm sticking with 18. Sticking with 18. Chris, what about you? I think that was the number I had in my head as well. I'm going to agree with Stu. Okay. I'm going to be a little less optimistic about the number of finishes and say 16. And then can you draw our random driver for this week, please, Chris? I can, and it is Lance Stroll. Oh, my word. Uh... 12th. <laughs> I've done it. 12th, Vega. I feel like I feel like that's generous, to be honest. 13th for Stu. Chris? So I'm going to quit look at his previous result. I think he's <laughs> going to be pretty rubbish here. I'm going to say... 15th. Yeah, I feel like I've been too generous on that one. Uh, my only hope is that he's not one of the DNFs. Uh, right, <laughs> there we go. So that is our predictions. Uh, as I said before, if you want to uh, get involved with this, head to backofthegrid.com where you can register. Even if you've not competed before, it's worth doing because we have a prize if you manage to get five out of five correct. Uh, there's also links on there to our fantasy leagues if you want to get involved with that, and you can also contact us. Speaking of contact us, it's time for a little bit of inbox. Yeah, I'll take the first one. We'll get through these pretty quick because I've got, only got a couple this week. Um, Andrea Hanna says, how many points will McLaren take away from Aston this week, do you think? I have high hopes as a McLaren fan, but still a little wary because we never quite can be sure what to expect from the teams. Hmm. Oh, McLaren this track. McLaren is smashing. Aston Martin, yeah. Mercedes, and Ferrari. This, given how they were at Suzuka, especially. Yeah. This is the type of circuit that they want at the minute, really, isn't it? Medium speed. Yeah. So the answer to that is yes. Podium, do you reckon? Yeah. I, th- I think there's a good chance of a, a probably a Norris podium. Yeah. Maybe like a third and fourth behind the Red Bulls. There was, there was a very, third very, fifth, very maybe. tiny part of me that wanted to just go way out there and put a Norris win, <laughs> but I want, point, I want, I want points. So I'm not taking that risk. Yeah, I reckon three, four, three, five, something like that. Yeah, they're going to be high yeah, up there. I think so. And where are Aston then? Where Aston are probably down in like, you're looking at like eighth, ninth. It's going to be another oh. stroll out the points, Alonso, just about in them, I reckon. Yeah, I think so. So there, there you go. That That's that gap closing. Um, next one. I'll do the next one from Corey Zilla's Zombie Killer. I've been hearing rumours about Red Bull wanting to sign Lando Norris at the end of the season to replace Perez. Do you think Norris will be loyal to McLaren and stay? And do you think McLaren would want to do everything to keep Norris uh, to build him as their own star driver if he's not already? Norris would be mental to go to Red Bull. Yeah, I think that's the worst idea, especially with the trajectory McLaren appeared to be on. I think the only way he's beating Max Verstappen is in a McLaren. 
he's not beating him in a Red Bull because it's not design. It's not going to. He's not going to go to Red Bull and suddenly have a car made for him, is he? Like Verstappen's got. So no, his best chance is having the, the car he's got at McLaren, that, and he's the incumbent at McLaren. You know, he's still sitting very pretty at McLaren. I think even compared to Piastri, as well as Piastri's doing. Um, I would much rather see him stay at McLaren. I don't think he's winning. Uh, he's not beating Verstappen if he goes to Red Bull. No, no, I've got to give Norris credit though. His driving style is very adaptable. You've seen him in like what I would say are probably three very different McLarens for different, yeah, different yeah, setups, that's true. and he's always got the most out of all of them. Um, so I think that he definitely would at least have that going for him. That no matter what the car was like, due to Verstappen's preferences i think he'd be able to adapt into it whether he'll be able to compete with him and beat him is another matter but yeah. i think he'd at least be competitive and you'd see a season somewhat like the ricardo verstappen season where they went tit for tat in terms of mm-hmm. like trading places um and i, point, I yeah. think they'd give him he'd give him a rivalry at least but yeah whether or not he'd be able to beat him i don't know yeah, I think it'd be. Cl- I think you're right. I think it'd be closer than Perez, but I think the, 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 the issue lies in he'd be having to adapt his driving style to fit that car, and Max Verstappen doesn't have to do that because it is designed for his driving style. Yeah. So, Un- mm-hmm. Unless it happens to be Norris's true driving style and it's a perfect <laughs> fit, because yeah, we don't, we don't really know way. what that is yet, do we? <laughs> in, in terms of what yeah. he's driven at McLaren. So I mean, I'm I'm sure he's high on Red Bull shopping list. I'm sure he's high on most team shopping lists. Yeah. Um, I mean, Red Bull. If if Verstappen ever pulls a Rosberg and decides he's had enough, Red Bull don't really have many big name drivers ready to step into a front running car. So mm-hmm. I think they would look outside, and he'd definitely be high on the list. But um, I still think the own, especially with McLaren's current trajectory, I think the only place Norris is going to leave McLaren for is Audi in like 25 or 26. Yeah, which is funnily enough, roughly when his current contract ends, is it not? I think, yeah. He got, he got like a multi-year deal and it ends around 2026, I think, end of either beginning or end of 2026. Yeah, something and like that. Piastri's is about the same. So, yeah. There you go. So that is it. That is all for Inbox this week. Uh, thank you to everyone who sent everything in and thank you to everyone who has obviously been active in the comments. Even Stu, who wasn't here last week, read them. He said it himself. So always <laughs> worth you dropping us a comment because we do actually read them and we do pay attention to them. So thank you for that. Um, if you want to get in contact with us through social medias, we're on Twitter and X, whatever else you want to call it, uh, just back of the grid F1. You can find us on Facebook and uh, you can, as I said before, contact us through the website uh, at backofthegrid.com. There's also our Patreon, which if you get involved at with patreon.com forward slash back of the grid, that gets you access to our Discord, which we're in and out of throughout the week, uh, even on non-race weeks and stuff like that. Talking about all kinds of motorsport, even outside of F1. So, yeah, get involved with that if that's something that sounds like it's up your street. Plus the benefit of uh, being here live for this while we're actually recording. So there's always that too. Uh, but, yeah, that is everything for this week. So thank you to everyone who's joined us live and uh, enjoy the Qatar Grand Prix. See you next week. Bye. Bye.